And we join in the line now by Nadir Token, analyst at 27 for Investment Managers. Nadir, let's talk about the impact of the interest rate increases in the United States. Yeah, look, I mean, there hasn't been an interest rate increase that's been, uh, you know, quite as anticipated as this one has, Sakina, in a very, very long time. And uh, we know that it's a symbolic of a tightening of monetary policy um, in the U.S. with probably a lot of the central banks in the developed world to follow suit, you know, except for the ECB and the Bank of Japan. Um, you know, we could see the Bank of England follow suit. And, uh, you know, this could force interest rates across uh, many emerging markets higher as they, uh, you know, act to stem outflow from the economy economies and try to defend their currencies to prevent, uh, you know, some sort of uh, increase in inflation. So, you know, it's the first interest rate increase we've seen in a decade. Um, you know, the move was 25 basis points in December, and there was a lot of hoo-ha in the market about, you know, what the impact is going to be on emerging markets, what the impact is going to be on, uh, on equities, and, you know, the rate hike came and went, and uh, the effects seemed to be really, really muted. And if anything, uh, you know, in the days uh, in the days uh, you know, after the rate hike, um, equity markets enjoyed actually quite a bit of a rally in the developed markets. So the market seems to like the certainty that the Federal Reserve um, is providing. Uh, you know, there's this, a lot of uncertainty in terms of will they, won't they, if they will, when will they. And, you know, that was result, that, that resulted in a lot of volatility in financial markets. We saw, um, you know, the developed markets trading a lot uh, on, on, on the back of sentiment and then obviously sentiment impacting flows into emerging markets. So, you know, when there's certainty, there's improved sentiment, and when there's improved sentiment, people seem to have the confidence to buy risk assets. And that's what we see happening once the Federal Reserve has given a little bit more certainty in terms of where they're going with interest rates. And, uh, you know, Janet Yellen seemed to provide a fairly clear indication of the path of interest rate increases with interest rates, you know, um, going to up to just over a percent by the end of 2016, which means we're going to see a gradual tightening of monetary policy in, in, in the U.S. So that seemed to be fairly positive for, for sentiment, and uh, as a result, we saw quite a nice rally um, in, uh, in, in developed market equities as well as emerging market equities in the days after the Federal Reserve rate hike. If we put uh, the, the equity story on the back burner, um, you know, I think for bonds and particularly high-yield corporate bonds in America, it's uh, definitively negative, and that's what we're going to be looking out for in 2016. Now we saw the tide turning for corporate uh, high yield, um, you know, in, 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 in 2015, and we saw a significant number of bankruptcies in that space. Uh, in fact, in the, in, in, in the energy sector alone, we saw 62 bankruptcies in the high yield space in the U.S. last year, and we saw 99 bankruptcies in total. So higher interest rates is going to rack up uh, a lot of these companies' uh, uh, interest bills, and they already have very impaired balance sheets. And as a result of that, uh, you know, we could see more bankruptcies come through in that space, and we could see bonds coming under severe pressure in 2016, um, you know, with, with yields. Being anchored artificially low by the, because of the Federal Reserve zero interest rate policy. So, you know, bonds are, particularly, are, are likely to remain particularly volatile and an asset class, you, uh, you know, which you want to be treating with a lot of caution uh, for the remainder of the year and for years to come as 
uh, global central bank policy gradually, gradually tightens. But, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, the Federal Reserve remains very data dependent. So they'll be waiting to see what happens with inflation. I mean, very anecdotally, uh, the U.S. jobless numbers came out um, or jobless claim numbers came out uh, just last week and they touched a high, um, you know, as, as, as an eight month high. So, you know, the, I think the Federal Reserve will be very data dependent and if the data does turn, we could see, uh, you know, the pace of those interest rate increases slow up quite, quite, quite a bit, Sakina. Nadir, just looking at the stock markets and um, what happened yesterday on the first day of trading? Yeah, I mean, we saw a rout globally, didn't we? It started in Asia where, uh, you know, the Chinese markets were down 7% in one day at one point and then trade had to be halted. And uh, then we saw trade resuming and we saw the sell-off being relentless. You know, I think there's a lot of uh, tensions in the global economy in terms of where we're going with the stock market this year. And then, uh, you know, the losses obviously extended to Europe and to South Africa and, uh, you know, then extended later on into into the U.S. as the Dow dropped through and then Fifty points uh, at its open. So you know a lot of the stock markets having their worst opening day in a very long time. You mentioned the DAX since 1998. Mm. Um, you know the Dow, in fact, had their worst opening in in, in in over 80 years. So you know I think there's a lot of tension out there in terms of where equities are going in 2016 and where returns are going to come from, given the extent of multiple expansion we've seen for the last couple of years. So investors are waking up to the reality that uh, you know we've got to see some sort of, uh, you know, earnings generation so that those PE multiples can moderate and, uh, you know, pretty much all the returns we've seen since the end of the financial crisis has been because PE multiples have expanded, not because earnings have improved uh, very dramatically. I mean, they've improved slightly, but not enough to see the kind of gains we've seen in global stock markets. And then in addition to that, you know, what's really adding to the volatility is all the geopolitical tension. I mean, there's a lot of concern about about uh, you know what, what China is doing and where China is going in terms of growth, and then obviously a lot of geopolitical tension in the Middle East. We saw uh, Saudi Arabia expelling the Iranian uh, ambassador, and uh, Bahrain following suit, uh, you know, following the execution of, a, of, of of the Sunni cleric in, in in Saudi Arabia. So we're seeing a lot of tensions in the Middle East flaring up um, quite a bit between uh, Iran and the remainder of the Middle East, and that's obviously having an impact on oil prices as well. But that's quite interesting because, um, you know, that's been pushing oil prices upwards, but obviously concerns about Chinese growth has been tempering how far oil prices can go up. So a lot of geopolitical tensions coupled with the fact that investors are nervous about, uh, about the extent of multiple expansion and the current PE multiples of, of, of global stock markets. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's translated into sharp moves lower because increased volatility as well as uh, concerns that equities are expensive. And Nadir, um, what are the implications of Zimbabwe's decision to adopt the yuan as their official currency? Yeah, look, I mean, you know, I think we have to take a step back here. And, you know, in 2009, Zimbabwe took the decision took the decision to abandon their own currency. They obviously had hyperinflation of something like 500 billion percent. Um, you know, and the, the economy was in, a, was in complete disarray. So, you know, they decided to abandon their local currency and adopt the, 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 the dollar as their, as their uh, legal tender. 
And, uh, you know, I think more recently we've seen China been making a big drive to increase trade in Africa, you know, and I think uh, Xi Jinping has made a, a, a visit to, to Africa, in fact, he's visited Zimbabwe, and there's a concerted effort from uh, China to, to, you know, increase the, 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 not only the, the, um, the, the economic dominance, but the political dominance globally, and, uh, you know, they see Africa as a strategic starting point to do that. So, um, you know, we know that Africa has a billion people who are probably going to be entering the middle class sometime in the next uh, 10 years or so, and a billion people who are going to be consuming an excess number of, of, of goods and services. And, uh, you know, China wants to be at the forefront of providing that and really anchor their economic dominance. And, uh, you know, in exchange for, for, for um, you know, adopting the yuan as their legal currency, in fact, as a side issue, we saw uh, Beijing forgive uh, 40 million dollars of debt which uh, Zimbabwe were due to repay this month. So, you know, there seems to be some sort of uh, symbiotic relationship between China and Africa. And, uh, in fact, we see China now building uh, the largest power station in Zimbabwe. Um, we know that uh, the second largest trading partner to Zimbabwe is, in fact, China, with a billion dollars of trade annually. And uh, we see both presidents mentioning that they want to step up that, uh, that trade aggressively. And we saw President Xi Jinping recently in Zimbabwe signing various uh, economic deals in order to, to to increase that trade. And in fact, uh, in terms of the political dominance side and China really trying to exert their muscle as a global superpower given the rapid rate at which they've climbed up the economic ladder. And, uh, we've seen uh, uh, China pushing for Zimbabwe to allow them to build a military base in their country, which is now going to happen. So, you know, we're seeing a lot of increased activity between China and, 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 and Africa, and uh, that's really on the back of expectation of, of China trying to exert its, uh, its political dominance on, 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 on the global sphere, um, as well as trying to secure their economic well-being um, into the future. Very interesting. Thank you so much, Nadir Token, Analyst at 274 Investment Managers.